All right. Well, I guess they kind of let the cat out of the bag a little early this morning that we're going to be talking about worry. And some of you all are already worried that we're going to be talking about worry. And some of y'all have already checked out because we're talking about worry because you don't worry about anything. But I think truth be told, kind of in our deepest, darkest areas of our heart, we, we understand that we all worry about something. Whether we are prone to anxiety frequently or prone to it very infrequently, there are things that grab our heart and cause us to panic and cause us to wonder and cause us to not be able to figure out how things are going to go and that causes us, causes us a little bit of worry. Regardless of where you find yourself on that spectrum, I believe Jesus has some wisdom for us today in the book of Matthew chapter 6. So I invite you to turn with me to the book of Matthew chapter 6 as we continue this sermon series, The Way of Life. We're talking about do not be anxious. And as you're turning to Matthew 6, I want to tell you about a little worry that I have in my life. I'm going to kind of make fun of it a little bit, but I have a, I have a deep fear of needles. Okay? That little nervous laughter that you just heard, that's what the nurses do when I tell them that too. Okay? I I don't like them. If you look at my doctor records, you will see how not often I go to the doctor because I'm worried that, you know, like, oh, your toes hurt. They might give you a shot for that. Right? I I just, I do not like, I don't like needles. Um, When I go, I'm very serious. I sit down, I look at the nurse, and I tell them, I I go, you're going to think I'm a little bit, I'm a little bit crazy. But you're about to, you know, you're about to poke my little finger to get some blood, and I'm going to lose all the color in my face. And they're like, yeah, okay, okay. I go, it's going to look like I'm about to pass out, and I'm just letting you know this is going to happen, right? I've already psyched myself out for it. And, and they're like, okay, that's cute. Hey, you're 36. You should be able to handle this by now. And I should, uh, but they, you know, they, 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 they prick your little finger and they get blood and all the color drains from my face. And they're like, oh my goodness, you weren't kidding. I'm like, no, I wasn't kidding. And they always go and get me a little apple juice box. <laughs> and so I'm, I'm 36 and I'm sitting on the little table with my little apple juice box waiting for the color to come back into my face. I, I am paranoid. I, I, I can't stand needles, right? So I had a plan the last time I went and got my shot. Right, the last time I had to go give blood, uh, I had a plan, and the plan was this. I, I found a Bible, and I brought it, and I opened it up, and right before I knew I was about to have to get the shot, I, I, I turned to Isaiah 53, and I said, I read, he was pierced for my transgressions. <laughs> I was like, all right, if he can do this, I can do this. All right, bring it on. You know what? It didn't help me. <laughs> Still didn't do well with it. That might be a silly little fear that we have, but we have those anxieties. As we pick up here in Matthew chapter 6, verse 25, Jesus is sensing the anxiety of the crowd. You see, he had just talked about treasure. Like Joe talked about treasure last week. If you had not had a chance to hear that message, I eagerly encourage you to do so. Jesus talked about the way we can lay up for ourselves treasure. We can either do it on earth. But the problem with laying up for ourselves treasures on earth is that is where moth and rust will destroy. It's where thieves will break in and steal. And so Joe's encouragement and Jesus' encouragement to us is to lay up for ourselves treasures in heaven. 
that can't perish and cannot be taken away. And I just want to remind you, remind you of Joe's invitation to you that he wants to have coffee with all of you in heaven, right? When you get there, he wants to have coffee with you and he wants to ask you a question. He wants to say, was it worth it? When you look back on all of your time and your talent and your treasure and your energy and your relationships and your resources, was it worth it? All of it that you funneled toward, all, all of it that you pushed toward the kingdom of God, was it worth it? Because the answer is going to be yes. We're going to look back at all the time we spent building God's kingdom and say that was some of the best time and best resources and best energy we ever spent. But Jesus is sensing the yeah, but... I've got needs. Yeah, but I have these things over here that I need to give my time, my talent, and treasure to. And so he comes and he has this first line that he tells them. He says, therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. And this is our first point this morning. It's straight out of Jesus' words. Do not be anxious about your life. Well, what is our lives? How is he going to categorize that? Well, he continues in the verse. He says, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. So the elements of life that Jesus chooses to address here in verse 25 are what Baloo from the Jungle Book refers to as the bare necessities, right? Eating, drinking, and clothes. And Jesus has a very simple question to ask us about these. He says, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Simple question with a simple answer, right? Yes. Right? Anybody here love tacos? All right, you guys are a little bit more awake than the 915 service. More taco fans in here. Okay, so I love tacos, but life is not about tacos, right? Like life is more than the tacos or the Twinkies or whatever you choose to put inside your body. You weren't created simply to eat. You weren't also created simply to get dressed. Tim joked earlier about the NCAA tournament coming up. Some of you this week are going to be putting on your blue, right? Some of you this week are going to be putting on your purple. If you were really righteous, you'd be putting on your burnt orange, (laughs) even though they won't be playing. But we understand no matter what jersey, no matter what clothing we put on, that life is not about our clothing decisions. It's not about what we put in and consume. No, we were created to live for so much more. For centuries in the church, we've been handed down this phrase that we were created to glorify our God and to enjoy him forever. And so Jesus says, do not be anxious. Don't don't worry about your life Because you were created more for the things, more than for the things that you're worrying about. And he he illustrates this by telling a story. He says, look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? I can imagine Jesus giving this sermon on the mountain. I can imagine birds being around and he's encouraging them. Look, look at the birds. Look at them. They don't have to sow or reap. They don't have to go out there and work. And yet I care about them enough to provide them with their needs. How much more do I love you? How much more valuable are you than they? 
The psalmist goes to great length in Psalm 8 to show us how elevated humanity is in God's creation. He says he has made us just a little bit lower than the angels and he has subjected and put under dominion all things at our feet. When he made us, he said that we were very good. We are loved far more than we can know. In fact, We were loved so much that the Son of God himself, Jesus, came down to earth and walked in our steps and is here delivering this message on anxiety because he cares for these people. He loves them and tells them, do not worry, you are valued. And then he has another very penetrating statement. He says in verse 27, And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his lifespan? To his span of life. This would be great, right? If we could just choose to add more time in our day, we could choose to add more days or months or years to our life, but we can't. We can't even add a single hour to our lifespan. The reality of this is that we are not in control. And that word control gets to the heart of our worry. You see, we don't worry about things we have control over. Right? I didn't worry about what I was going to wear today. I just went to the closet and picked it out and put it on. I didn't worry about what I was going to eat today because I chose not to eat. I didn't feel like eating. I had control over that. I don't worry about things I have control over. What do we worry about? We worry about things we can't control. We worry about the decisions that our kids are making. We worry about that meeting that's going to happen on Monday that we don't get to run. We worry about the health of our family member. Even though we get them the best medical care, we can't reverse what's going on. Now, we we worry about stuff that we don't have control over. And Jesus is saying, you can't add a single hour to your life. It is okay that you are not in control. I want you to hear me say that. It is okay that we are not in control. We were not designed to be able to control everything. We were designed to be dependent on the Lord. Where he is strong when we are weak. When we don't have all that we need, he possesses everything. Every resource in the world and in eternity will be made available to his children. So he says, do not be anxious about your life. Don't worry about what you will eat or what you will drink or what you will wear because you can't control it. And then he tells another story. He goes from the birds to the flowers. He says, and why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. I want you to think about the magnificence in that statement. Solomon was the wisest person who ever lived. He was among the wealthiest person who, persons who have ever lived. He had everything. Yet God says these flowers, these lilies that I have created in the field, they have more splendor and more beauty than Solomon even on his best day. 
If I am going to provide for the flowers, how much more am I going to provide for you? And look at the way he says it. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, the grass and the flowers are temporary, will he not much more clothe you? He's going to take care of you. He is going to provide for you. But he finishes that statement by saying, O you of little faith. And that's where it gets penetrating. Who's he talking to when he says, oh, you of little faith? Well, I want to tell you, I think he's talking about everyone. At some point in our lives, all of us have been someone of little faith. We have been someone who has become anxious and given to worry. And that we have tried to control the events in our life and we've tried to get as much manipulated as we could to stir it toward the outcome that we want. As if we have the power to change everything. I think Jesus is saying to his children, he's saying, do not be anxious. If I have provided for the birds and if I have provided for the flowers, how much more am I going to provide for you? Even you of little faith. So how do we go from being a person of little faith to a person of big faith? Because all of us have to make that jump at some point in our lives. Well, Jesus has some more that he wants to say to us. He begins verse 31 with this, Therefore do not be anxious. Our second point sounds a lot like our first point because Jesus is going to say this three times. Therefore do not be anxious. In light of what I have just talked about, in light of the birds and the lilies and how much you are loved and what you were created for and how little control you have, do not be anxious. Why, Jesus? Why should I not be anxious? Why should I not be worried when I have all these concerns and all this pressure that I am going through in my life right now? Why should I not be worried? Why should I not have questions? And Jesus shows that these people have questions. He says, therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? But why? Why should we not have these questions? He says this in verse 32. For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. You don't need to ask where this stuff is going to come from, because your heavenly Father already knows that you need it. Every burden, every problem, every suffering that you are going through right now, every need that you have, your heavenly Father knows it. He encourages you not to be like the Gentiles. Who are the Gentiles? Well, in this context, he's talking to a Jewish audience. He's looking at the Jewish audience. He's saying, do not be like the Gentiles. You are the people of God. Do not be like the people who are not dependent on me. For you are dependent on me. In our context, we probably wouldn't use the word Gentiles. We'd say, do not ask questions like unbelievers who have no hope. Do not seek after the things they would seek for. Ask different questions. And so Jesus, okay, I hear you. You're saying, do not be anxious. You're saying, do not, do not have these questions. What should I do instead? He tells us in verse 33. He says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Now, I just read that verse to you in the ESV version, and um, that's not how I learned it. So I'm going to give it to you the way that I learned it, and the only way I can do that is by singing it. So bear with me. 
Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I promise that's the last time I'll sing to you today. Um, that verse is hidden deep down inside of me, whatever version it is. I don't, I don't have to wonder, what was that verse again about, about seeking first after the kingdom of God? I, I, just, I have that one at my disposal, right? Well, why do we do that? Why do we hide God's word in our heart? Well, the psalmist tells us we hide God's word in our heart that we might not sin against him. You see, when we have decisions or we have worry or we have um, conflict or things that arise in our life, we can have this treasure trove of wisdom from God's word that we can pull up. And so Jesus tells us not to be anxious, and his antidote for being anxious is seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Okay, well, what does that mean? Well, seek first. It means you get your best. It means it gets the thing that's most desirous to you. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. He's saying, give me your time, give me your talent, give me your treasure, give me your relationships, your resources, your energy. Give me everything you have to build my kingdom, to follow me. We are called to love him with all of our heart. We are called to love our neighbor as ourselves. We are called to go out and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Holy Son and the Holy Spirit. This is what we're called to do. We're called to put all of our chips in and follow him and trust him no matter what culture or pressure may tell us. He says that if we do this, then all of these things will be added to you. What are all of these things? Well, in this context, he's talking about the bare necessities of life. He's talking about eating and drinking and what we're going to wear. But I also believe he's talking about so much more than that, but we need to answer the question that's the elephant in the room. We all know people, either in our lives or in our areas, or even in history, who have sought first after the kingdom of God and his righteousness. They have been people who have followed hard after Jesus, but it doesn't appear in this world that all things have been added unto them. They are going through poverty or persecution. They are going through suffering or illness. They're going through loss. Relationships aren't what they're cracked up to be. They're saying, God, I did this. I sought hard after you. Why have these things not been added to me? And my answer to that question is this. This world is a very broken place. In fact, this, ru- this world has a ruler who is said to be prowling around like a lion, seeking who he could steal, kill, and destroy. And in fact, in the book of Job, we have that lion who is roaring around and he descends on Job and he takes everything that he has except for his life. And Job isn't even really told why. You see, things in this world are not always as they should be. And sometimes it doesn't feel like all things are added to us in this life, but we can take heart because it tells us in Ephesians 1.3 that in Christ we have every spiritual blessing. 
It tells us in Revelation that one day we will get God's ultimate reward, and that is that we will be with him. And then he will take us to a place where he will be our God, and there will be no more suffering or sin or death or pain or mourning. There will be no more loss. He has called us to build his kingdom and not ours. And he has told us that when we do that, he will add all these things to us, whether in this life or the next. And so how do we do that? How do we look and build his kingdom? I'm encouraged by the story of three young Jewish boys in the book of Daniel. They had been removed from their home in the exile, and they'd been taken to Babylon under King Nebuchadnezzar. And King Nebuchadnezzar was very full of himself, and he built this giant gold statue that all the kingdom was going to have to bow down to at the sound of music. And the music played, and the people bowed, except for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. The king got word of it and brought them in, and he was very, very angry, and he said, how dare you defy my order? How dare you go against culture? How dare you go against the edict? I'm going to play the music again, and if you do not bow, I'm going to throw you into the cooker, and you will die. And those three young kids stepped up, and they said, Oh, king, let me tell you. Our God, who we serve, is able to rescue us us even from your fiery furnace. But even if he does not... Those words are chilling to me. But even if he does not, O king, we will not bow down to the image that you've set up. They refused to bow down to the image. They were thrown into the fire. And in this instance, God chose to save them and glorified himself in that way. But they've given us a blueprint. How do we look at the pressures of this world? How do we look at the things that are worrying us and keep going towards the kingdom of God? Keep seeking first after him. Well, we say, you know what? We believe that our God is powerful enough to add to us all of these things. We believe that our God is powerful enough to heal us and restore us and to fix things that are going wrong. But even if he does not... I'm going to continue to find and follow and seek hard after him. Because we realize that we're not building our kingdom. We're building his. And you want to talk about letting go of anxiety. When you are building your own kingdom, you're going to have a ton of it. Because your biggest worry is yourself. That when your biggest concern is building God's kingdom... You put your time and your talent and your energy into that. Your biggest concern becomes him who has all the resources of heaven. Jesus has one last point for us this morning. And it says, therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow. Therefore, do not be anxious for tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. 
in light of everything that Jesus has told us, in light of seeking first after him and his righteousness, and how much he cares for us and love us. He says, do not worry about tomorrow. Here's the cliche about tomorrow. We are not promised tomorrow, right? We are not the one who controls our very breath. No, God does that. He decides to wake us up. And many of us write stories about what is going to happen tomorrow, but we can't even make those come into fruition. No, he says, sufficient for its own day is its trouble for tomorrow. Deal with what you have today. So how do we do that? How do we deal with the trouble that we have today? Well, I think Jesus gives us a great example in the book of Luke, chapter 22, if you wouldn't mind turning there with me. Luke chapter 22, we start in verse 39. Jesus is on his final road in his pre-resurrected life. He's nearing the end. He's He's in those final few hours. And he's with his disciples. And he says this, And he came out and went, as was his custom, to the Mount of Olives, as the disciples followed him. And when he came to the place, he said to them, Pray that you may not enter into temptation. And he withdrew from them about a stone's throw, and he knelt down and prayed. That is our first hint. What did Jesus do when he had a burden to carry? He went to his Father in prayer. We have this great resource. It's a resource where we often feel weak because we're not doing anything we pray, we think. We're not out fixing something. We're not out doing something. But in fact, we're doing the most powerful thing that we have. We're talking to our Heavenly Father. And listen to how Jesus prayed. He said, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. You see, this isn't a man in a doctor's office about ready to get a little prick on his finger. No, this is actually the one who is going to be pierced for our transgressions. And he knows this path that he's about to walk. He knows what is about to come. He knows about the humiliation and the scorn. He knows about the beatings and the thorns. He knows about the nails and the cross. He knows the pain that he's about to endure. And he knows that he's about to be separated from the Father for a time. Something he had never experienced before. And he said, Father, if it is possible, if there is another way, take this cup from me. And we are familiar with that prayer, right? We have prayed it. God, I am suffering so deeply right now. I am hurting tremendously. Take this burden away from me. Father, this relationship in my life right now, it is hard. I cannot bear the weight of it any longer. Fix it. Make it stop. Lord, I am hurting. My body is just hurting. Make this pain go away so that I can function. Father, I'm worried about my kids. I'm worried about what they're going to be when they grow up. I wonder if they're going to make the right choices. I can't control them. Father, I am worried. Make this go away. Fix it. Make everything okay. But yet Jesus didn't stop with, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. No, he continued on and he said this. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. 
You see, in the faith face of the path that he had to walk, Jesus looked in the eye and said, God, if you're willing, take this cup away from me. But I am not here for my will. I'm here for yours. I'm not here for my kingdom. I'm here for yours. And I'm here for the people that you have sent me to save. And Jesus poured out his heart to his father. And in verse 43, we see this. And there appeared to him an angel from heaven strengthening him. When we cast our cares on the Lord, he pours out the resources of heaven for us. It's why he tells us in Philippians 4, 6, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, make your requests known to the Lord. Make them known to God. It's why he says in Peter, cast your cares on him, for he cares for you. Did you hear that? He cares for you. Cast your cares on him. He can take your burdens. He can take everything that you're facing. He says, come to me, all who are weary, and I will give you rest. When Jesus had concerns and burdens, he went to the Father Verse 44, it says, And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. Now, I have never worried to that point. I have never worried where I've started to sweat blood. In fact, I have a reputation for not being much of a worrier. But the reality is we all worry. I worry about stuff. I just show it differently than you. One of the times in my life that I found myself most worried was when I was getting ready to start my last year of seminary. Betsy and I had wonderful, a wonderful plan for our life. It was going to look and go a certain way. And when I say we had a wonderful plan for our life, I mean she had a wonderful plan for our life. And she's the planner. I kind of just kind of go along for the ride. But here was our plan. Our plan was we were going to find a full-time position doing children's ministry in Texas. We were going to stay around our family and we were going to continue to build God's kingdom, but we were going to do so in the great state of Texas. And as I began my last year of seminary, I got the phone call. And the phone call said this, Brian, you used to work for me. I have a children's ministry position in Austin where my parents live and where Betsy's parents lives. And we want you to come and we want you to be our children's pastor, but you need to go through the application process. You need to go through the interviewing process, but you're my guy. And I was printing money. I I couldn't believe that everything was falling into place just the way that we had dreamed. And I went through the interview process and then I got the phone call. Hey, Brian, you're not the guy. Okay. Well, hey, If you have plan A, you always have plan B, right? So I had plan B. I was working at a church part-time. My boss in my position there was my best friend. He was my mentor. I spent two years just going side by side with Rodney wherever he went, soaking up everything that I could. And so I said, okay, I got it. It's not Austin, but it's Dallas. It's close. Rodney, we're going to change the world. You're going to hire me, and we're going to go from part-time to full-time, and we're going to put down roots in this city, and you and I, we're going to keep going on, and this is going to be great. He said, no. No? 
said, you're not the guy. This isn't the place for you. You got to move on. You got to go somewhere else. I was just devastated. I had all these best laid plans and I had nowhere to do it. And so I went to the placement office, right? Because he says, keep seeking first the kingdom of God. Keep walking. So I kept taking those small steps of faith, even though I had no idea how this was going to turn out. And so I said, hey, placement office, it's your job to get me a job. And here you go. I want to be children's ministry. Dallas, Texas, San Antonio, I-35 corridor, find it, go. And they called back. They said, hey, we got a church we want you to talk to. I said, great, tell me about it. They began talking about the pastor and the staff. They began talking about the church family and what the church was involved in and what was going on with the church, and I was getting excited. I was like, I have got to talk to this church. Where are they located? Topeka, Kansas. (laughs) You guys are really bad at geography. Let me be honest with you. I took the interview there on campus as a practice. I had no intention of coming to Topeka, Kansas. Because my best laid plans were for me to be around our family in Austin doing ministry around the people that I already knew. And God said, for you to seek first after my kingdom, I'm going to rip you away from everything that is comfortable and I'm going to place you over here, but I'm going to meet all of your needs. And almost 11 years later, we're still here. Our kids have been born here. This is home. But it required us to take the opportunity to trust God today. How can we not be anxious about tomorrow? We don't have to be anxious about tomorrow when we take the opportunity to trust God today, to hold on to his hand, to know that we are create, we were created for such a magnificent purpose to glorify him and to enjoy him. When we realize just how deeply we are loved, we don't have to worry because he's got us. When we realize how little we can actually control, we can let even what we control go. When we choose to seek first after his kingdom, knowing that everything will be added to us, either in this life or definitely in eternity, we realize that we can trust him today. And that we can trust him always. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for an opportunity to trust you. Father, every day is an opportunity to put off the things that burden us and the things that consume us. Father, every day is a day to go, yeah, I'm I'm worried about something, but the God that I serve is bigger than that. Father, I pray that we as a people, that we as a church, would be able to cast our cares on you knowing how much you care for us. Father, I pray that we would be a church that strives to move to a place where we are not anxious about anything. Because in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, we are making our requests known to you. Father, may we talk to you. May we seek you. May we follow after you. Knowing that you love us and you'll provide for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.